The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. And speaking of uh, God's goodness, there's a story, um, and it's the story of this uh, father in Spain who became uh, estranged from his son. His son had kind of taken off and wandered off over time. They got completely estranged, and the father went out to find him, but he couldn't find his son. He looked everywhere. He looked at different places and all over the city, simply could not find his son. So the father decided to take an ad out in the Madrid newspaper, and, and he wrote this ad, and it, and it said in this last def- desperate effort to find his son, it, it, the ad read like this. It said, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. And the next day, 300 Pacos showed up in front of the newspaper looking for forgiveness, looking for the Father's forgiveness. And the reason I love that story, because I, I feel like I'm one of those Pacos. We got any other Pacos in the room? What's the, what's the female version for Paco? Paquita or something? I don't know. Any, any in the room? Because I, I feel like I'm... No, I, did, I, did, <laughs> I didn't meet in front of the uh, Madrid newspaper, but I came to this place of the cross, and that was the place where I found forgiveness and renewal and restoration. And I just want to encourage you this morning to look back at that time and place. And if you haven't made that step with Jesus, then today is the day to do that. But that is the time where the, the, the singer of the great hymn, uh, Amazing Grace, I once was blind, but now I see in the guy's overflowing with joy because he understands where he was and he understands what God has done for him. And right in the middle of it all is forgiveness. In fact, this love story that we have right here, this love story is a forgiveness story. This whole book is about forgiveness. And I didn't know that because I wasn't raised reading it. But when I read it, I'm like, it's all about forgiveness. The very beginning of it is the creation of God and the fall of man, which needed forgiveness. And then there's a whole system of where people tried to get rid of all the sins, but they never really went away. And then God so loved the world, he sent his son. Why? For forgiveness. To restore you and I back to the Father, just like it was before the fall. And it's amazing. And then the rest is the celebration on how we live in the ultimate celebration later. This is a forgiveness story. This whole book is a forgiveness story. We're going to be talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is something we all have to deal with. Every one of us in this room have dealt with it, are dealing with it, and will deal with it again. Both ways to forgive others and to be forgiven. And it's a tough subject because it doesn't feel good to endure hurts or pains And the topic is difficult for some of us when we talk about forgiveness because we've been all through different things. But I'm just telling you, by God's design, forgiveness is a key. It's what the whole book is about. It's all about uh, forgiveness. In fact, if you have your Bible, if you want to turn to Matthew 18, uh, we're going to be looking at this passage. We're teaching through the book of Matthew. We're picking up where we left off um, last month. And um, we're going to jump in. Before I do, I want to share another short story. There was this this gal who... uh, didn't treat her father very well. She really took advantage of him at every turn, took money a lot of times and would stay out and just really was wrecking things, uh, ruining his credit. And just, just it, the father tried so hard. But this daughter, one night, she really took it to the limit. One night when the father was sleeping, she went, grabbed his credit cards, took what money she could find, got in his car and took off across the country to the West Coast, partying, tearing it up, just having a blast until everything ran out, until everything got very miserable, 
until she had to sell the car and had nothing left. And she realized that maybe, maybe, my father might possibly take me back, but maybe he won't. She decided to borrow money for a bus, and she got on a bus, and she drove back east. And on the bus, she met another gal, and she told the other gal, listen, here's my story. I really messed up big time. I maxed out my father's cars. I spent all the money. I ran out. I sold his car. And I don't know if he's ever going to take me back, but I wrote him a letter, and in the letter I said, if there's any way you can take me back or will take me back, just put a red ribbon on the bus depot pole and I will know and I'll get off the bus. But if there isn't, don't worry, I'm just going to keep on driving. I completely understand. She shares her story with the other gal and as they're approaching the town, the girl who had left home can't even bear to look so she doesn't even want to be in the bus window and she's got her head down buried in the seat in front of her with her feet below her knees and tells the other girl, please look and please tell me, do you see a red ribbon or not. And the other girl looks and says, no, no, I don't see a red ribbon. I see hundreds of red ribbons and a guy jumping up and down with red ribbons in his hair. Girlfriend, get off the bus. All is restored. The father outside waving ribbons saying, it's, it's, come on home. It's a beautiful forgiveness story. Prodigal daughter. But to be honest with you, all of us in one way or another are prodigal sons and daughters, and all of us have forgiveness right in the middle of the restoration of the relationship. And in our, in our life, Jesus summarized what is it all about? It's loving God and loving others. And in this entire love relationship, both vertically and horizontally, loving God and loving others, there's always going to be issues of forgiveness or unforgiveness and the weights that it causes us and the freedom that we can have on the other side of forgiveness. It's really a powerful subject. Uh, Webster says this about uh, forgiveness. It, it calls it, it defines it this way, releasing resentment for a debt that is owed to you. Releasing resentment, like the resentment that we have to release it, to let it go. And it's interesting that it puts debt and resentment in the same sentence. I think what happens with resentment is somebody we feel owes us a debt because somebody wronged us in some way, something they did or said or failed to say or failed to do. In some way, somebody caused a harm or an offense of some sort. And as a result, we feel, we feel that they owe us a debt. Maybe they really do or maybe we just perceive that they do, but it, we feel they owe us a debt. And when the debt is not paid to us as we feel it should be, it builds up resentment in our heart and bitterness in our heart. And forgiveness is releasing the debt and releasing that uh, to, to restore things. And that's what happens. The downside is if we don't release it, we carry it. And it's not good for us at all. In fact, it's really bad for us. In fact, how many of you know unforgiveness does more harm to us than it does the other person? You realize that? It's been said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Think about that. That's what unforgiveness does. And this is so important, this topic, because this is, this is a lifestyle thing Jesus is going to teach us today. It's, a li it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifestyle thing. It's a daily thing. There's ups and downs. There's setbacks. There's offenses. There are relational breaches in our lives all the time. Some of our, in this room, maybe some of the breaches were way back as a child, or maybe with family or maybe with friends, or maybe with coworkers, or maybe in relationships. There's so many levels uh, with neighbors. It could be so many levels of breaches that may have occurred. Um, things that are uh, hurtful or painful that have caused some resentment and bitterness over time. And this topic is so important 
Because Jesus wants you liberated. He wants me liberated. Not just one time when we go to the cross. He wants us to live a, live a liberated life. Because when we don't, it has long-term effects and short-term effects on our, on our life, on our health, both physically and spiritually. This is not good for our soul. Um, there are some people that will carry these things, and some people carry things to the grave. Have you heard that term? Some people carry things to the grave. Why? Because they never got a handle on what Jesus is talking about. They felt that a debt was owed to them, and maybe there was. But they felt unless that debt is paid, they refuse to release somebody. And they carry something all the way through life. That instead of trudging through life, carrying bitterness and resentment that they could have released, they could have released in the power of Jesus, they could have released, but they didn't. Instead, they trudged through life with it rather than letting it go and running freely. Running in freedom, the freedom that Jesus paid for. And so there's this passage, it's Matthew 18, if you guys want to turn there, and this is where we're at in the text or on your phone or your device, if you need a Bible, we have some in the back there. We're picking up in verse 21, and this is where we had left off in the book, and this is Peter coming to Jesus, asking about forgiveness. Obviously, forgiveness is difficult. Peter's struggling a little bit with it. Uh, He's trying to get a little clarity on it because he's having a problem to forgive, just kind of like what we do at times, and it starts like this in verse 21, it says, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So Peter's asking Jesus, how many times do I need to forgive? Is seven enough? Uh, And and that's implying that, can I be done? (laughs) Can I be done at seven times? How many would say it'd be nice to be done at seven times? How many people would like to know seven's the limit? Honestly, come on. It it would be nice to know if Jesus said, yes, Peter, good answer. Seven is the number. After seven, you're done. No moss. That's it. It's over. That would be very cool. Jesus says, no. Peter, it's not seven. It's not seven times. He goes on with this, and it seems like Peter's counting. And the reason Peter's counting is Peter wants to be done. And I think when it comes to forgiveness, it's a challenge. It's a challenge of our heart. It's a painful thing of releasing. And we, we feel like an entitled to hold on to something because we haven't maybe either got an apology or we haven't been, uh, nobody made the, uh, nobody righted the wrong that was done. So as a result, we kind of feel entitled. We have the right to hold on to. We just feel that in our natural um, way of thinking, the natural man. And Peter seems to be counting. He wants to be done. Is seven enough, Jesus? Can we be done? thinking, why should I extend myself again? I've already forgiven somebody, and they did it again. Why should I forgive them again? In reality, no one enjoys getting hurt. No one enjoys being offended, and it is very painful. And if the truth is told, we don't really feel like extending ourselves again, especially when we've been hurt and when we've been pained in some kind of way. But this is monumental. We're hearing the words of Jesus today, who was hurt and pained on every level. He's got the authority and the clarity and the truth on this uh, subject. And there is so much liberty in life to be lived out if we get this down. So Peter opens it up and says, how many times? And, um, and it's natural for all of us to want to put some kind of limit on our forgiveness. It's natural for all of us to say, I'll do this, but I won't do this. I'll forgive them one time, but I won't forgive them another time. Or I'll, I'll draw the line here and I won't draw the line there. I think that's something that we all struggle with inside the church and outside the church because our heart, our heart is the wellspring of life, the Bible says. Do you know that? The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. 
And because of that, we, we, we care when our heart gets dinged or wounded or chipped or hurt or offended in some kind of way, we kind of hold on to these things and it does pain us a little bit. Um, there's a story um, about the time after the Civil War. And uh, after the Civil War, Robert E. Lee went to visit a lady in the South who had this house with this big, beautiful tree out front. But the tree had been completely destroyed by the Union artillery fire. Guns and cannons, all kinds of stuff hit this tree. It was just sitting there, uh, just in a, in a shambles of, of what it used to be. And, and as uh, Robert E. Lee visited this lady, this woman sat out there with Robert E. Lee pointing at this tree and complaining, look what the Union did. They wrecked my tree. This was my life. This is what I looked at. They destroyed it. And she was bitter and she was mad and she was resentful. And she was looking at him to get some kind of feedback, some kind of consolation for the pain that she had been through over this destroyed tree that is now uh, glaring evidence standing in front of her house. And Robert E. Lee looked at the lady, looked at the tree, and looked at the lady again and says, ma'am, just forget it and cut it down. Just cut it down and forget it. And that's what you and I need to do sometimes, amen? Just cut it down and forget it. Because we hold on to things, symbols to remind us why we shouldn't or why we went through a lot and why if you knew what I went through. And a lot of people in sharing that with you will tell you why. They'll tell you the degree of their pain. They'll tell you how monumental it is. And I get it. We've all been through kinds of stuff. And it's okay to share with a brother and sister and and work through this stuff. But ultimately, when we're done sharing these pains, offenses, and things that we've been through, we have to do something with it. We have to do something with it. And so Peter says, can I forgive seven times and be done? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your translations say seven times 70 because the way it's written in the Greek, it's uh, the way some translate that. And basically, Jesus is saying, whatever you think it is, (laughs) multiply it. Whatever you think your number is, just multiply it. And he's using the number seven, which is a number of perfection, and he's saying just multiply perfection. Just just keep on forgiving. Peter's like, I thought I'd have a a line somewhere. Remember, the Jewish people are under the law. There's clarity and regulation on what you can and can't do, and there's lines in the sand. And what's my line on forgiveness? And Jesus is like, whatever you think it is or was, just multiply it. Uh, Forgiveness is an ongoing thing. Just multiply it. And uh, so we got to remember now, this is coming from Jesus Christ who died for the sins of the world. He came for the forgiveness issue. And Jesus himself, when he's on the cross, dying for the sins of the world, betrayed by a best friend, turned over, the religious authorities beat him, flogged him, and now he's being crucified by Rome. His life is being poured out like a drink offering. He's going through everything that he shouldn't have to go through, but he's doing it for forgiveness for you and I. And in the middle of all this torment that he's going through, the middle of all of it, he says this profound statement. He says, Father, forgive them. They they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. And that's amazing when you're going through something that unjust at that extreme level, that publicly, that many people doing it to you, and Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And so we're hearing from the one who modeled forgiveness and he's telling us to do the same. If you're a note taker today, I encourage you to just take out a few key points on forgiveness that I believe will help you. If you want to put them in the bulletin or put them on your phone, uh, you can talk about them later or work through these, pray through these, but I think these will help you monumentally with this topic of forgiveness that we all have 
to deal with, and we always will have to deal with. Forgiveness is, as long as there's human relationships, as long as we have our human nature down here on earth, this is going to be an ongoing struggle that we have to learn how to work with better. And the first point is this, that the one who gave me unlimited forgiveness calls me to extend unlimited forgiveness. The one who gave me unlimited, I've received unlimited forgiveness for the wrongs that that we've done and the wrongs done to us were nailed there with him there at the cross. That's a lot of wrongs. A lot of wrongs was nailed to the cross with Jesus. Anything done to you in your life, listen, anything, anything that was done to you in your life on any level, at any time, by any person was paid for by the blood of Jesus. Now, the person who did it, it would be nice if they get in on the provision and they go to Jesus and they ask for forgiveness and come back to us. That that would be wonderful. But Jesus paid for sins. So who are we to take them off the cross and hold on to them? Does that make sense? Because that in reality is what Jesus paid for the sins of the world. Jesus paid for all kinds of sin, every level of sin. He paid for billions of sins and he's extended in our lives for our sins a a tremendous truckloads amount of grace, an unlimited amount of forgiveness. And he's simply calling us today in this passage to extend the grace and forgiveness that was granted to us. That's the core. That's the meaning of this parable. Peter says, how many times? And Jesus is saying, got truckloads of grace for you, Peter. And Peter's gonna see it personally. I'm simply asking you to give away a little of what I gave you. that's, That's all I'm trying to tell you, Peter. Some people are better at this than others. Jesus wants us to get this principle that we've received unlimited grace and we're called to extend unlimited grace. And so he teaches us now about the parable of the kingdom. He uses this question of Peter, how many times do I gotta forgive because I don't like forgiving and I don't want to forgive. It's painful and it's hard and and no one likes to get hurt, Jesus. So how many times do I gotta forgive? And Jesus says, okay, I'm gonna respond to you. The short answer is multiply whatever you think it is. That's the short answer, Peter. But let me explain to you in a way uh, through a parable, and these parables are stories, and they're stories about the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, as it's called in some passages. And it's simple stories that were done with simple common things that every listener in Israel would have listened to it and go, oh, I totally get that. And they'd be able to go home and share it with their family or their friends because they're very, very simple. But here's the thing about a parable, guys. Every time you hear a parable, you try to figure out who the characters are in the parable. And sometimes we hear a parable and we talk about the guy and we don't think about us in the picture. And and sometimes there's multiple people in the parable and we go, well, which one am I? And that's the way we're supposed to read parables because they're about the kingdom of God. And they're about people like you and I that are in the kingdom of God. If you've said yes to Jesus then you and I enter the kingdom of God. We enter the realm of God. That's what the kingdom is. It's a realm. Everybody say it's a realm. It's a realm. So you could be walking down the street in the kingdom and your friend next to you could be walking down the street not in the kingdom. It's not just heaven when we get there. It's the realm of God now. I've come under the influence of the Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus. And now I walk in the kingdom of God. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, there are expectations for our lives 
as children of God who walk in the kingdom, to walk in the realm of God, but there's also blessings of God in the kingdom and there's provisions of God that you can count on and you can call upon and you can pray for and you can stand with. So in the kingdom, in the realm of God, there's all kinds of promise and blessing, but also expectation. And Jesus says, let me just explain how forgiveness works because forgiveness is monumental. And he moves on in verse 23 and he says this, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The context is debt. The context is debt. Jesus taught us the prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Jesus taught us this. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned again. Forgive us our trespasses as, the, we, as we forgive those who tra- trespass against. Trespass means we've stepped over a line into somebody else's lane. We got into their space and we harm them in some kind of way. Or they've stepped into our realm and they've hurt us. We've transgressed. We've stepped over the line. We owe them a debt, at least a debt of apology. Maybe we've harmed them. Maybe they've harmed us. This is, this is the language of Jesus. When they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. I'm going to teach you to pray, Jesus said. A lot of it has to do with forgiveness and how we deal with debts and transgressions and, and, and our sins in our lives. So this is about debt. And back then, everyone had to pay debt. Everyone had to pay the debt. You could not get out of the debt that you owed. Now, this is foreign to some of us when we hear this, God, this parable of the kingdom because we have a thing in America called bankruptcy protection where somebody can just file for BK, for bankruptcy, and be absolved of their debt. And some people have filed a second or a third time and keep getting absolved from that. We have laws in place that do allow certain times and places and people under certain circumstances to be absolved from that. That is a huge, enormous blessing because other civilizations did not have this worldwide. This was not a common thing. Everyone had to pay debt. No matter what it was, you had to pay it back. And the way you paid it back was by hard labor. You had to pay back by hard labor. And so this was done through a a term called being an indentured servant, that if you owed money and you couldn't pay, you ended up becoming, you go under contract with somebody for an extended amount of time and you work for them for no pay. Why? Because you have to pay back what was owed to you. Imagine your family had only $10,000 left to your name in life and somebody wanted to borrow it and they borrowed it and they never paid it back. And if they came back to you and just said, huh, bankruptcy, you'd be like, oh no, my family can't eat now. We, we needed that. And so it would be a way, well, I'll work for you for X amount of time to pay you back. So the understanding through all civilizations made a lot of sense. It's happening in the biblical times right here, paying back. In fact, the early European settlers that wanted to come to America in the early days could not afford to get on a boat and pay for the boat fare and the passage over here because it was extremely expensive. So the agreement was, if you want boat fare, get on the boat, but you're going to be working for the next year or two or three in America if you want to have free boat. So this concept of indentured servitude and, 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 and working for extended period of times to pay back debt uh, was alive and well. In fact, 
uh, Europe through the Middle Ages, uh, even Greece until 10 years ago had debtor's prison. Even in Greece and Europe up until 10 years ago, if you owed debts and you couldn't pay it back, you got to work it off. No BK. So this was a common theme. And the king in the story is the one who supplies us everything. He, he, he does all the provision. And someday the king is going to settle accounts with all of us. Many of you know the gospel, uh, the parable of the, of the talents in the Bible, where, where the king gives us all talents and we're supposed to do something beneficial with those talents because someday he's going to give an accounting of the talents that he lent us for the season of time uh, that we had them. In this case here, he's talking about a very large debt, 10,000 um, uh, bags of gold, which is an enormous, it's, it's a, it can't even imagine, it's just like truckloads of money, 10,000 bags of gold. So this guy was given a fortune, a fortune, and I don't know what he did with it, but he didn't have anything to show for it. And when it was time to pay the debt back, he could not pay and the, re- the law required payment. So it looks like what's happening here is that this guy, just like if you co-signed for someone's car and they don't pay their car payment, they're going to come to you and you become the responsible one. You can't say, don't look at me. Look at, they're going to say, no, you co-signed, they defaulted, it's on you. That's simply the way it works. And in this case right here, the whole family was going to have to pay back. So the whole family now is going to go have to work for a number of years to pay back the debt. That's what's going on here. And the man starts begging the king, please, please don't do that. I know I owe, give me time. I owe you so much. You gave me everything. I got nothing to show for it, but please, please don't do that. Don't let my family work it back, please. And it says in the passage that the king grants him both grace and mercy. Would you say that with me? Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. We don't use the words a lot in our, in our realm right now, but I'll just tell you, mercy, mercy is not getting what you do deserve. When I deserve something, when you deserve something in a negative consequence and we don't get it, that's mercy. And grace, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. And in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we get both grace and mercy. We don't get what we do deserve, thank God, and we get what we don't deserve, thank God. Grace and mercy are like this. We deserve the hammer, but instead we get the hand. Isn't that awesome? Grace and mercy have been extended to us through the work of Jesus Christ that we receive by faith, and it's really epic. So this guy deserves jail, to debtor's prison, to pay back. That's just the way it goes. He knows that he knew that when he signed up and got millions and millions of dollars. But he doesn't have to go to jail now. And that entire debt is completely erased. Entirely erased. So I don't know about you, but I think that would change your life forever, wouldn't you? If you owed millions of dollars and you were set free, no consequences, declared free, you're free to go now, you'd be doing jumping jacks. You'd be going, that is awesome, that is epic, that should be a life changer. And this should sound familiar, because this in reality has been done for us, guys. We also have massive debt in the realm of our spiritual condition. And the Lord, through the work of Jesus, takes it all away and says there's no consequence for you. And it says in Romans, he's imparted righteousness to our account that we got to, if you were to look up your line, if you do online banking, I know we do. If you go online, you check your account. You know what it says in the spiritual realm about your account? Your account of righteousness is overflowing. It's, It's over the max. It's flowing over the top. You're like, wait, I didn't put a deposit in there. Yes, somebody put it in there for you. 
he's imputed righteousness to, it says in the book. And you're like, whoa, how did that get there? I didn't do that. No, you didn't do that. It's all by his grace. The mercy is the consequence went away and your accounts maxed and flowing over. You're like, but, but, but I didn't. That's what he did for us. Grace and mercy, truckloads of it. It should change our life. And I think it does. When we first come to faith, we get so excited. Amazing grace. I know what I used to be like. I know what it's like now. I know what you've done to me. It's this fresh feeling and we're excited about it. But as we go on, Sometimes we take for granted the grace and mercy that's been extended to us. Sometimes we take for granted the forgiveness that's been extended to us, and we just tend to live better. We kind of get a little better with our lifestyle, but we forget the grace, and we forget that our spiritual account, if you were to look it up online or on your phone, is overflowing, and you didn't put it in there. But God put it in there for you. And that's what's going on uh, in this passage right here. Uh, Second point is this, if you're a note taker this morning, is... Is, am I willing to give away the grace and mercy that's been given to me? Am I willing to give it away? Because like this guy, you've received truckloads of grace and mercy, and God knows I have. Truckloads of grace and mercy. We've received grace and mercy for the wrongs we have done, the wrongs done to us, the righteousness overflowing on our account, according to Romans. Truckloads of grace. Are we simply willing, willing to give away It's a golden question. In fact, if there's only one thing you hold on to today, that's the heart of this passage. Are you willing to give away what was given to you? That's really the core of what this whole thing's about. Peter asks a forgiveness question. How many times? And Jesus says, Peter, whatever you think, multiply it. But ultimately, I'm going to pay a price that you you can't even get your head around the price I'm going to pay for you and for the whole world. The heart of the the heart of the parable is, are you willing to give away the grace and mercy that I'm giving away to you? And that's at the middle. I, I certainly hope we would be, and I hope, certainly hope that this gentleman would be too. He should be doing jumping jacks when he leaves the presence of the king for all of the awesome things that were imparted to him. Let's see what happens here in 28 if he's doing jumping jacks. How many think he's doing jumping jacks? Should be doing jumping jacks. Let's see what he does. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all that he owed. And this is how the heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. This parable is about receiving forgiveness but not granting it to others. That is the heart of this, receiving it all but not giving it away. You're in the desert. God gives you truckloads of water and ice cubes, but you don't give any away. That's what this is about. The world needs what you have, and it's forgiveness. It's the whole reason God sent his son, and we've been endowed to live eternally in his presence and to be to living a life with his spirit here and now. It's all because of this forgiveness equation. Uh, we have the only faith on the planet that truly offers all forgiveness of all sin, past, present, and future, because that is the aim and the mission of our faith. And God's Son, He so loved the world that He sent His Son 
to take away all, everything that blocks a relationship, which is all the sin that required forgiveness. The perfect lamb took it all away. That's our faith. That's what we get in on. That's what we receive. So this man, check this out. This man in the story, this is what Jesus is pointing out. This man in the story wants all the benefits, all the benefits of being forgiven, but he refused to extend any of those benefits forever. He wanted all the benefits. How many want to sign up for forgiveness? Oh, I do. How many want eternal life? I do. How many want, I do, I do, I do, life in the Spirit? I do. I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want life in the Holy Spirit here on earth? Who wouldn't want forgiveness here on earth? Who wouldn't want eternal life? Because you guys know that we're not just physical beings having a momentary spiritual experience down here. We are spiritual beings having a momentary physical experience down here on earth. How many wouldn't want eternal life in the presence of the king? Everybody would. And he's saying this guy here wants all the benefits but doesn't want to give anything away. The master finds out. The master is, is shocked. The master is stunned. The master is baffled. He's like, really? How could you? Like he... He can't understand. The master's confused. Like, how, didn't we just, is this true what I'm hearing? I, I can't, can't, can't believe it. I believe we have a graphic for this. Jesus said this, and this is a, kind of a summary of our text here. Jesus said, freely you've been given. Freely give. Freely you've been given. Freely I've been given. Freely give. What, what have we been given? We've been given grace and mercy and forgiveness. That's what we were given. Truckloads of it. Truckloads of grace and mercy. and We've been given it already. Are we going to be like the guy in the story who want all the benefits and don't give anything? The guy was so stingy, he didn't give anything away. None of it. He didn't give any of it away. I think you and I will be known by not what we say. I think we'll be known by our willingness to give away grace and mercy and forgiveness. People will know, where do you get that from? How do you, how do, you do that? You hear of these stories... Just heard a story recently. Just there was a really bad car crash, and somebody um, hit a car and, and killed this this man's family. And right there on the scene, right there on the scene, the man walked over. The police officer was right there, and the man walked up to the person who went across the lane and hit the guy's car and killed his family. He said, "I just want you to know, I forgive you." Huh? Family's gone, right on the spot. I just want you to know, I forgive you. That's a guy, it's baffling to our conscience. The world doesn't have a category for it, but to whom much is given, much is expected. Um, freely you've been given, freely give. This guy somehow was a recipient of so much grace that he was able to release the debt, release the burden. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't mean he doesn't have pain. Let's be clear. Doesn't mean he doesn't have pain in his heart, and that's what we need to qualify, because we think if I have pain in my heart, you owe me. You hurt me, you owe me. You owe me a debt, and I'm not... Even if you, you got to pay me back before I set you free. You got to ask for forgiveness. In fact, you got to beg for forgiveness before I set you free. Some people think this is what we start doing because we feel our heart was hurt. We want something back before we release a debt. And in the meantime, it grows a root of bitterness in our heart and resentment. And the first one to, to, to forgive is the first one free. Do you know that? You guys know that? The first one to forgive is the first one free. Some people choose to hold on things their whole life, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. The first one to forgive is the, is the first one free. So this man, as Jesus taught, didn't understand 
Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who debted against us. Forgive us our sins as we forget. He didn't understand that. Or if he did, he just, he wouldn't follow through with it. The Bible tells us, be merciful just as your father is merciful. And blessed are the merciful for they shall be shown mercy. Mercy, guys, again, is, is not giving somebody what they deserve. Yes, they deserve it. Okay, they deserve it. But not giving it to them. That's mercy. And grace has given them what they don't deserve. And we've received truckloads of grace and mercy. So the question is this. The guy in the story received grace and mercy, but he apparently, somehow, some way, he wasn't changed by God's grace and mercy. That's really what's going on here. He received it, but he wasn't changed by it. You see that? That's like the glaring issue in the story. Yes, he didn't give it away. Why? Because he wasn't changed by the grace and the mercy. The intention here is that if you truly receive the grace and mercy of the living God, that it does change us. We go like the guy who, who sang Amazing Grace from being a slave trader to crying and repenting about his old life and singing praises to God and proclaiming freedom for the rest of his life. That's what grace and mercy does. It changes us. But this guy didn't seem to be changed by it. If you're a note taker, here's the third point to, to just ask yourself and maybe pray through this because I know I am. Passage like this brings stuff up with me and I, I got to wrestle and struggle with some of this stuff just like you do. But the third point is this. Has God's grace and mercy changed me yet? Has it changed me yet? Did it change me before, but I'm not changed now? Is it changing me still? Am I not changing anymore? Has it changed me? Is there an evidence of me extending grace and mercy as a result of the grace and mercy I've received? It's a really important question. Uh, and we just have to be reminded sometimes of how much grace and mercy we've received. Uh, we can tend to think, well, I wasn't that bad. I was actually a pretty good person when I accepted the Lord. Um, see, I kind of thought that too. I thought, well, I wasn't that bad. I know these things I did in my life, but I didn't really do some of this stuff. So when I came to Jesus, I'm like, okay, so a little bit of forgiveness. But after being in his presence a while and reading his word, I'm like, wow, you forgave me a truckload of stuff. You begin to realize, because how many of you know our hearts get calloused, like calluses on your hand where you don't even feel anymore? You ever notice that? You ever work with your hands? You get callous? You don't even feel stuff anymore? That's what happens to our hearts. And we don't even realize the stuff we do or have done in our life until we're in God's presence and he softens our heart. And as he softens our heart, we're like, wow, I really did receive a truckload of grace and mercy. It's really, really amazing. We need to understand that as well. Um, the last scripture I want to share, and this would be great if the worship team comes up, um, is this one. And this is key, guys. This is a scripture out of Colossians 3.13. And this is what it says, and this is what I hope we take home in our heart today is uh, bear with each other, bear with each other. That means put up with each other. Um, that means don't be so easily offended. Uh, don't get offended too easy. Some people get offended very easy, very quickly. Uh, don't be easily offended. Bear with one Put up with one another. Have a to higher tolerance level. Raise your threshold of what bothers you. Jesus is saying bear with one another, especially as believers bear with each other and listen forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another whatever well what about whatever yeah but how about whatever well you don't know what they did Jesus. whatever grievances you have forgive forgive one another whatever grievances you may have one another and some of you need to underline this forgive 
as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Some of you, your word from the Lord today, for some of you in this room, this passage is not the focus of the whole text we looked at, but it is the focus of this passage. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Listen, some of you in the room, you need to take this to heart. The Lord forgave you. Let me say it again. The Lord forgave you. He forgave you. And I say that because some people hold on to things. And sometimes where we're own, our, we can be our own worst critic and we can blame and condemn ourselves and, and, and walk in guilt or shame or condemnation, which there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but we walk in a condemnation because the devil, the Bible says, is the accuser. He tries to accuse us of things. And the Bible is telling us here, the Lord forgave you. Listen, if you walk around with any kind of level of guilt or shame, it's not from God, it's not from the Holy Spirit. If you're walking around with condemnation, the Holy Spirit will convict you of something wrong, and that's good. And what we do, the Bible says, he is faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sins. So you think of anything you've done in your life, whatever it might be that's outstanding, and just say, Lord, I want to confess that to you. Would you forgive me? I want to turn from that. Would you whatever you can think of, you tell him. But listen, anything you and I have ever done, past, present, and future, once you've brought it to Jesus, he throws everything we've done into the sea of forgetfulness. Say that with me, the sea of That's where all of our sins went to the bottom of the deepest ocean and no one knows where it is. And then he puts up a sign that says no fishing allowed. And you and I can't go back there trying to dig up stuff that we've been forgetting. We can't do that. He puts our sins as far as the east from the west, but we sometimes blame ourselves, have a conviction or condemnation sense and go right back to the places and start digging this up. If that's you, you need to know that you are forgiven. The Lord forgave you. So the, the last point is this this morning, if you're a note taker, is ask for forgiveness, forgive others, but also forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. If you haven't forgiven yourself, if you're holding on to something that you haven't forgiven, go to the Lord, do business, and forgive yourself because forgive as the Lord forgave you. You've been forgiven. And sometimes we don't forgive ourselves, and that's a whole other weight of condemnation to carry that's not, that's not necessary. So let's close in prayer, asking God to seal some of these things in our heart right now. Lord, we know that forgiveness is, uh, it's not a feeling, it's a choice, God. That you, you told us not to just pick a number and draw a line in the sand at seven or 77 or seven times 70. You're just saying, keep multiplying. And you're reminding us that you gave us truckloads of grace and mercy. And you're simply asking us to give it away. And Lord, I pray that if we're not changed by your grace and mercy, you'd begin to change us. If we're not changed by you, let us be changed by you today that we will be extenders of the same grace and mercy. You, gave, you downloaded truckloads of grace and mercy to us. You overflowed an account in heaven of righteousness spiritually. We're, we're overflowing the top, not because of anything we did, but because of what you did. And Lord, I pray that changes us. I pray we really respect and honor and understand how good you are how every good and perfect gift, including grace and mercy, you've overflowed our lives, God. I pray we'd come back to a deep appreciation and respect for all the amazing things you've done for us and our life as sons and daughters of God that we would simply reciprocate. We'd simply give a little away and we wouldn't hold it all in. So Lord, I pray today, whoever we need to set free, uh, that we would set free, God, today. We wouldn't wait for tomorrow. It's not promised. 
If there's anyone in our lives today, God, we would, we would call them or text them or email them or pick up the phone. If we can meet with them, we would do that, God, no matter who it is on any kind of level. If it's a friend or a brother or a sister or a, a family member or a coworker, we would do what we can. And if we can't, we would go on a hill or sit down somewhere and do business with you out in the backyard and say, God, there's no way to connect with that person, but I want to I wanna free them, God. I want to set them free and I want it to be today. Tomorrow's not promised. And Lord, if we have anything outstanding that we haven't come to you and ask forgiveness or others, if we've wronged them, we search our heart. We say, search us, O God, and know our ways and find if there's any evil ways. And if we've harmed or hurt others and we've got outstanding issues, God, I pray for a conviction in the Holy Spirit, not a condemnation, a conviction that we would rise up and we would step out and we would say, I think that hurt you or I'm sure that hurt you. That was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And we leave the rest to you, God. We do our part. We leave the rest to you. We don't have to fix everything, but we got to do our part because you, we are recipients of your grace and mercy and we simply want to live as it. We want to live as changed recipients, God. And so Lord, I pray today, I just declare a new level of freedom over this room, everyone in it, in this area of forgiveness that bitterness would go away in Jesus' name. Resentment would go away in Jesus' name. That freedom would rise up in Jesus' name. And it would happen through the lens of forgiveness. It would happen through simply, we've freely been given, we would freely give away, Lord. Help us to be those, the ones who forgive. Help us to be the ones who give away mercy. Help us to walk in liberty, that there'd be no bitterness and no resentment and nothing carried or no self-condemnation carried in this room from this day forward. We just declare the blood of Jesus over everyone in here and we thank you for it by faith in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God, you're so good. Thank you, Lord. Um. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.